In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, on your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. wins it off Hader in the bottom of the 10th inning. And you know where we're going. Pack your bags, folks. All aboard. Next stop, pound time. And here's the 1-0 pitch to Matt. Swung on, launched to left field deep. Van going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And a miraculous comeback by the A's in the ninth is capped by Matt Chapman's three-run home run. And the A's have won the game. You're now listening to The C-Meds with Adam Copeland and Ted Ramey, only on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Adam Copeland and Ted Ramey. Back in 2016, Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the national anthem of a football game, a National Football League game, in which uh, he wanted it to draw attention to police brutality against African Americans, and, and over time, that message was lost. And then in 2017, Oakland A's catcher Bruce Maxwell joined the protest against police brutality on African Americans and took a knee during the national anthem being really the only player in Major League Baseball to show that level of support and so we thought a good time now to welcome in Bruce Maxwell to talk about this ongoing debate in the United States right now Bruce what's going on man welcome to the podcast what's going on man glad to be here now uh, I saw a comment from you the other day I know you've been kind of making the rounds everybody wants to ask the question about taking the knee because there really was nobody else in baseball to do this and I saw a comment from you where you said your life was changed forever after taking that knee and and I think a lot of that has to do do with the lost translation about what the protest was about and what it was for. Can you elaborate or put that in context for us about how your life was changed forever? Um, I mean, you I mean, you hit that pretty much on the head. The negativity that surrounded me and the label that I received because of said action really changed how people saw me, which I understood it would be it would be a little different, but I never understood the amount of hatred people had for the message I was standing up for. You know, clearly I'm not in the state playing anymore, and I know that has something to do with it. And so, I mean, my life has changed. I've always been very close with this subject due to uh, where I'm from and how I was raised and the, the personal experiences I've had in my life with my family and friends. But this put it on a whole nother level and a whole nother scale. And, you know, like I said, most people don't see me as a, as a baseball player player anymore they see me as you know some people like to call me a thug or a criminal or any of those things that fit the description of angry people who possess anger towards me so it has changed me a little bit changed a little bit in my life but you know i've come through it and i still fight for it and fight to do what i stand for and you know it'll pay off down the road did you ever 
feel like you wanted to tell people who were criticizing you, like not necessarily like talk down to them, but be like, hey, you recognize the flag, the thing that people are angry at me about, like this represents my ability to voice my dissent, to voice my opinion. I mean, that like that's kind of what the American flag symbolizes is the freedom of speech, which is what you were exercising your First Amendment right. And people were ripping you for that, like you alluded to, like, did you feel like you almost wanted to sit people down and be like, hey, you know, this is a protected right of mine because people, it was very strange to me the way that people reacted to you and Colin Kaepernick acting like that wasn't allowed. And I I was just thinking to myself, like, it's one of the reasons why I've had a little bit of negativity towards the NFL ever since, just because, you know, it's a protected right within the United States Constitution. That's the country in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been interesting. It's funny how you know, depending on who's doing the protest and who's voicing their opinion, that America, you know, allows it to be okay or not in society. It's amazing, you know, like you said, people always talk about the First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of protest, all this shit, but like, they scarred us, they degraded us pretty much for what we were doing because, you know, it was us doing it, people of color doing it. It wasn't somebody like some white athlete or, or whatever have you, whatever you want to call it. So it was interesting to me because when people say, oh, you're disrespecting the flag, like blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, technically, I mean, if you want to if you want to talk about it, our, our own country is disrespecting our flag. Our Constitution states that we have a freedom of speech and a freedom of justice as human beings in, in this country, as citizens in this country. But also, we're not showing that. I was like, people tell me I disrespect the military. Well, the military is probably, and I've heard this from my family members uh, that are that have served and, and, are, and or are serving, that the military is probably one of the most racist places on the planet, especially the American military. I was like, so people want to talk about us peacefully protesting and disrespecting our military. Well, our military is disrespecting our military. I mean, it is what it is. I know plenty of people to this day that serve over there and they come back over here and they still get looked at like a, just an ignorant black person, men and women. So the only way they can say, and I've been a, a firm believer in this, the only way people can say that supposedly we're disrespecting the flag is if our country was absolutely 100% perfect, which it's not. And it never has been. It's been perfect for white people, but it's never equalized people of color in this country. It was never created for that. It's never practiced that. And, and, you know, I tell people all the time, they're like, you know, our government and our judicial system's messed up. I was like, no, it's not. It's working perfectly fine because this is how it was designed to work in 400 years. They've never seen people of color, especially black people, as equals in our country. Our country was founded on thievery, rape, murder slavery, you name it, everything that they did to create our government and everything they did to create our country was to continue from Europe, from Spain, continue the white hierarchy and make sure that they could overpower and control anybody of color. That's what this literally what this country was created on. So I don't understand why people think shit's going to change. If, you know, there's a couple of us that stand up. No, it takes everybody. Let's pause to talk about hydrant. You want to kick the coffee habit, but you're worried about your energy levels. To avoid the morning sluggishness and that midday slump, you need to make sure you're hydrated. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC for 25% off your first order. 
drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC. Just about every theme you mentioned there was a, a hot topic of conversation this week because of the sort of the double down from Drew Brees, right? Him making that statement and saying, you know, I had, had grandfathers and uncles who went overseas and fought in wars and, and you know, African-Americans are saying, you know, us too. That's our blood out there too. You know, we had people who died for this country and came back and, and did not see the same equality. So I wonder, you know, one of the great things about sports is in every locker room, you've got different people from, especially in baseball, from all over the world. World, from different colors and creeds and backgrounds and not everybody's going to agree with you but when you decided to make that stance or take that stance but take the knee during the national anthem to support this cause and to support this protest what was the reaction and, and what is Drew Brees looking at we're hearing a lot about that this week but what did you face walking back into that clubhouse um you know I actually I actually addressed my my ownership and my team before I did it and uh, I gave them my reasonings and my feelings and some of the things that I've been through uh, in my life, especially being raised in Alabama. And I gave everybody their fair chance to object. They had any objection due to their reputation or the, the reputation of the team or the reputation or the threats of their families or career or whatever. I said, you guys can stand up and tell me you don't want me to do it and I won't do it. So that's not the point. I'm not trying to ruin anybody's career because you're my teammate or threaten your families or anything. I said, I'm doing this for a bigger reason than, than us playing baseball. I said, I'm standing up for my family. I'm standing up for the people who can't speak or can't be heard. This is a humanity thing. I said, it just happens to be at this moment, it's affecting my people more than everybody else. And I mean, Drew Brees, is, he's facing some uh, difficulties internally and externally because I know that he knows he screwed up. This comment was a very selfish comment, seeing how a lot of his success has been on the backs of African-American teammates probably throughout his whole life. The game of football is populated heavily by African-American athletes. And if you look at his contributing teammates to his all-time TD record and his passing yards record, this and the other, I'm pretty sure majority of the time he's throwing or handing the ball off to an African-American player. So for him to supposedly be labeled as a leader and an icon down in New Orleans and in the NFL, for him to, to allow himself to make a national selfish comment like that, that just slaps all of his teammates and anybody that knows him of color in the face because now they're like, well, shit. I thought we knew this guy pretty well. I guess we don't. So, you know, and it goes to show you that a lot of people that in the world right now, especially in our country, that are saying, you know, all lives matter, you know, this and the other. Well, for all lives to, to matter, black lives right now have to matter a little more because we're the ones getting, you know, targeted and, and hunted down in the streets by the police. We're the ones getting unjustly accused of crimes that don't require as much punishment as, as they've been receiving. And then, you know, you have a white person that does somewhat the same crime and they get a significantly less sentence. You know, all lives matter. I understand that. But I mean, Shannon Sharp used it on, on ESPN. You know, it's like saying, you know, one house is on fire and somebody comes out and says, hey, all houses matter. But like, yeah, but yours isn't the one on fire, now, is it? It's like we're a people together. But if people can't put themselves aside and understand that there's been a problem here since our, our country was created against the inequality and the unjust treatment of black people, then, I mean, we're never going to get anywhere. And these riots and these protests and shit, this shit's going to keep going. There needs to be a change, and it needs to happen with every single one of us for this to work. I noticed that uh, when I was looking back at many of the pictures with the A's when you were kneeling, that Mark Canna, in numerous pictures, had his hand 
on your shoulder. Was that a show of support to you? Or were you thinking at that time that if this was really going to work, that someone else, a white guy would have to kneel alongside you to show more of that solidarity? Because, you know, and I've talked to to Adam about this as a white guy, I recognize this isn't a black person's problem. This is a white person's problem. It's on white people to change the systemic nature of the racism in the country, because it's not the, it's not the black community committing these heinous acts. It's, you know, it's law enforcement, it's white people. It's these things that have been going on for a long time. And Mark Canna put his hand on your shoulder. And I understand that For him, he's probably at that time worried about risk and how people are going to view him in light of these things. When you look back at that, was that enough to you that he was willing to put his hand on your shoulder or were you hoping for more from any of your teammates? And if you don't want to speak about that at all, I understand because I don't want to put you in a situation where you would negatively talk about former teammates. So I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Um, It's not uncomfortable. I've only talked to two of my former teammates in the last three years. So, I mean, I really don't have any ties with anybody in that organization or my teammates. But no, that was 100% support from him. I know his wife, Mark Hanna's wife, is of a a different background. I can't 100% tell you what ethnicity she is. But, you know, he showed a lot of understanding being married to a different having interracial kid being married to a, a different ethnicity of a wife and so he told me he understood what i was going through and what i was feeling and um that was a hundred percent support mark Hanna is a great guy in and out great teammate and i i appreciate it i really didn't expect anybody to follow suit i did hope that more of our veteran players, especially veteran players of color, would have spoke up a little more. But at the same time, I was perfectly fine taking it on by myself. It did suck when, you know, the next year or whatever, I was kind of on my own, you know. I was uh, battling all this stuff by myself. My agent at the time was no help. He was nowhere to be found, really. The Players Association didn't reach out to me. They didn't want to check on me or anything like that. So I was basically on my own little island you know, by myself. And 2018 was a very shitty situation with me in the Oakland and had a pretty, pretty heavy attitude when I was up in the big leagues due to multiple reasons, you know, and I just didn't feel like they wanted me there. I felt like I made the team out of spring that next year because they didn't want the publicity of them cutting me because of me kneeling. And it showed, you know, I had I played 16 games, 17 games in three months. I didn't have a catcher in front of me that was hitting, you know, 340 or anything like that. But, you know, the couple times I did play, I was facing David Price. I was facing Blake Snell. And it was just like it showed me that, you know, they didn't even really want me to succeed. They wanted an excuse to be able to get rid of me. And that's what ended up happening. So I really didn't think about, you know, outside of the fact of that I was doing the kneeling. I didn't expect I talked to a few guys in the game and I were out of the game before I did it. And I didn't expect anybody to follow suit because Major League Baseball has put this persona out that makes African-Americans and anybody of non-white descent a little timid about sharing their personal beliefs and feelings because like with me, they show that you're expendable. So it's like a zero toleration of sharing personal feelings if you're a person of color in the game of baseball. And I said, fuck it. I threw out you know, my year of service time out the window. I didn't care if I lost my job, honestly, because I was standing up for something that was bigger than baseball and bigger than anybody's wallet. You know, I was standing for the equality and the just treatment of people of color in our country because I'm one of those people and I've experienced that shit. It's not fun. 
it's scary, it's frightening, and I don't want to have to raise my kids in a world where I have to teach them the perfect manners and to dress a certain way and to talk a certain way or to yield to authorities because they are feared of their life. That's not a way I want my kids to be raised. That's not a way I want to live my life. And so it, that moment way outweighed anything I could ever do in my baseball career. You know, you're talking about the, the politics of this and, and, I mean, really having the fear of losing your job is why a lot of African-Americans haven't spoken up about this in the past, the fear of, you know, what are the repercussions if I stand up and if I say something? And so I was going to ask you about that, but you kind of hit on that. Like every year on April 15th, we do this Jackie Robinson Day thing where we talk about breaking the the color barrier. That's something that Major League Baseball had instituted themselves as a good old boys network. That wasn't a, a law or a rule that said blacks couldn't play alongside white players. They went to war with them. They came back and then weren't allowed to, you know, face the same pitchers. So I wanted to ask you, we have a long way to go, obviously, in society, but as far as baseball goes, I've always viewed, you know, the NBA is, is at the front lines of this thing, and, and that goes back to the equity the league has built up with its players over time. The NFL obviously hides behind the shield and, and knows who its its clientele and its audience is. Baseball does too, and it's why it's, it's maybe fading behind the other two. But as far as race goes within the game, was there a problem that you felt, or was there a, a, a tension that you felt surrounding these topics while you were playing? Um, I, I just, I honestly just felt like the conversation was never being had. Okay. Due to the fear of a career crippling comment from African Americans, I personally think that Jackie Robinson celebration is bullshit by the MLB every year. I think it's a very hollow celebration. I think they do it specifically because they feel like they have to. And I feel like they do it for marketing purposes. That's the one day of the year where they can say that everybody looks the same or everybody's equal on the field and shit. There's no names, same number, all that bullshit that they, they try to claim. I was like, but when it's any other day of the year, the number of African-American players, especially in a big league, decreases. The amount of uh, African-American coaches has never been high, personally, but that's decreasing every year. I mean, so it's like they want to celebrate Jackie Robinson, who made the color barrier, and put that in the motion for today's African-Americans and the past African-Americans. Yet, Jackie Robinson didn't just stand for as a baseball player. He stood for the equality and the just treatment of anybody of color, not just solely on the baseball field. He stood for equal opportunity, just as your whites for your people of color. And so I feel like the overall meaning of the Jackie Robinson Day, if you're going to celebrate it, you need to also be practicing it. Because at the end of the day, just because you celebrate it doesn't mean you're doing right by Jackie Robinson at all. And so I think it's just smoke and mirrors, man. It's bullshit. And I never enjoyed it, really, when I was up there. I was only up there, you know, for Jackie Robinson Day twice. But I never really enjoyed to see it because I knew behind the curtains, I mean, they didn't give a fuck about black people in MLB. Like I said, when we were growing up, your Griffies, your Kenny Lofton, your Barry Bonds, all those guys, I looked on the TV, I was like, I want to be like Ken Griffey Jr. Nowadays... What African-American players the kids can look up to and want to play baseball? I mean, in April of last year, it was 7.6% African-Americans on opening day rosters. Like 7%, okay? And how many of those names are like big profitable names? I mean, I looked up to, you know, Griffey and all those guys. Nowadays, your big money players, your big profile players are either Latin or they're white. Yep for the most part. So black kids don't grow up wanting to play baseball. I don't blame them. They want to play a sport where there's more people that look like them. I mean, I completely understand that, especially being from the South. But I think the the MLB is 
is full of shit. I think that the way they go about things, they think it's a cover, but at the end of the day, they instill a persona in the game that doesn't allow your freedom of speech or your freedom of uniqueness because everybody says, you know, baseball's our national pastime or whatever. Yeah, guess what? Also in America, the national pastime is racism, murder, and slavery amongst black people. So not much has changed, if you want to be completely honest with the meaning of that. So I don't see them making any adjustments. I really don't see them, you know, seeing how they were the last person to send out a, an organizational message due to all this is, I think it was more so of a an influenced idea because everybody else was doing yeah. it. So they didn't want to be the oddball out. You know, it's just, it's just different, man. The game is different. It's a white man's game, period. Always has been, always will be. So, I mean, if they wanted to make a difference, they should have been the first people to do something about that message. And yet, you know, it wasn't important enough for them to be the last professional organization to issue a condolences message, for lack of a better term. So, yeah, I just think all that shit's smoke and mirrors, man. We've been talking to Bruce Maxwell here on The Seamheads. Bruce, we'll let you go, man. I really appreciate your forthright and candid nature. And more importantly, you taking a stand by taking a knee and exercising your First Amendment rights and standing up for the treatment of black Americans in the United States of America, man. Again, I really appreciate your time, and I hope we can bug you again soon, all right? Oh, yeah, man. Just give me a call. I got nothing but time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bruce. Thanks a lot, man. Good stuff. As we continue the conversation around the social unrest in the United States and, of course, how it's impacting us during the pandemic and while there is no baseball. So we'll continue to monitor all of this. If you're enjoying the podcast, we ask that you rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you are listening to us. And we'll talk to you guys later this week.